Swinging heaters till pinatas gone. Bussin', bump your bussin'. It's nothing a cup confession. Couldn't fix talking shit, kicking back the session. Such a blessing, like holy water, bring a slaughter to your daily stressin'. Now take a sip, I hope you got the message. Come and kick it with the family. Tiana Fox, DJ Swift, rockin' properly. The policy is simply the drama by your wallet, by your wallet. To get a second with the vibe is such an honor. Be word to your mama, see the clock is time to bust the move. When that needle take a drop and knock you out your shoes, we fly with it, get it with for this designer stool. Dope dealing with track life, serving it just for you, just for you, just for you, serving it just for you, just for you, just for you, serving it just for you, just for you, just for you, serving it just for you, just for you, just for you. You know the rest. Just for you. Can I kick it with the kickback show? Can I kick it with the kickback show? Can I kick it with the kickback show? Well, I'm gone. Gone in. Yeah, you start that shit now. The Kickback Show. What's in your cup? A whole lot of everything. Uh, kickback Show. Uh, <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> I'm at the at the highest level of uh, frustration. Uh, and uh, <sighs> there's so many things to say and so many things to, to unravel uh, that it could be overwhelming but uh, but here we are not even sure where to start. I mean, uh, clearly everybody knows about the situation and everything that happened um, and everything that's transpiring. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Like I, I've been having a lot of great conversations the past past week, and a lot of it has caused me to reflect upon myself in a sense of my art and my direction um, uh, and the things that I do, the things that we do on the show, the stuff that we talk about on the show, um, the, the, the work that we put in outside of the show, just in our own individual uh, lives and, and workspaces and all of that. And I think a lot of the the frustration that we felt and a lot of the things that we've talked about over the course of the last six years that we've done this show is now visible to the rest of the world. Yep. Uh, there was there was a point in time where <laughs> I'm, there was a point in time where I wanted I wanted this show to cater to a white audience. And 
it grew to the point to where and, and by a white audience it was commercial success thinking that that's where uh that's where the money was and that's where the success was and within a year of doing this uh the way that we've been doing it now that all flew out the window because i realized like our blackness needs to be seen and heard and it needs to be unfiltered it needs to be what the rest of the world isn't isn't showing um and it doesn't it doesn't need to cater to anybody else and that's 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 just being black and these last few conversations that i've had has not only revealed a lot more to me of, of digging deeper into my blackness which again that's something that we've been doing even our off-air conversations have been wellness has been wealth has been i mean not even off air it's been on air we've had yeah. many people that have that have talked about all of these things that ultimately can serve as a game plan for us disengaging within the current system and applying ourselves to to being independent as a black community with that to finish my thought i have become so anti everything else that's not black and by that i mean getting in the car a minute ago hearing frank sinatra on the radio and completely turning it off like being disgusted within 30 seconds and and not being sorry for it and hoping and wishing and praying that everybody is offended by it like I know that there's a fine line that I'm walking on and it's out of emotion. And I I, I really don't care. Like I want all smoke. But at the same token, I understand that being dis destructive in my nature, that can defeat a bigger purpose. Yeah. Um, and it's more embracing what exists. Like I've been listening to Ray Charles and just kind of getting away from all the videos being sent to me and just everything because it's it's ultimately a shock drill um being black loving your blackness embracing your blackness and by this i'm not talking about an ethnicity or nationality we all know that we come from different spaces whether you're from the islands from the motherland you you know our diaspora is broad i'm talking about blackness in a sense of unity and all of us identifying together as as one thing. Um, I have I have <laughs> never felt the amount of passion and fervor that I feel that I have I have felt in this last week. I have been disgusted by seeing individuals. I have again taken like this rah-rah mentality that I have, and I've been trying to fight uh, projecting it on people because I'm, I'm trying to observe to see where people are at, meaning close friends of mine that aren't black, close friends of mine that have been silent, like close friends of mine that haven't said nothing, that, that 
haven't taken a stance or you know are just in it for the for the hoopla they're just in it just because it's all oh, this look cool on, on instagram or facebook or just make something cool or whatever um like i want all smoke and and by that like not necessarily anything violent but let's have a conversation like let's talk are you really listening are you really like what are you doing like what are we doing what are we doing like don't talk to me about going out and protesting i don't want to hear i don't want to hear i don't want to hear shit like i don't want to hear shit that's outside of your actions towards reversing this system now with these current events of all the, the rioting and looting and all of that, like, I'm not for that. You'll never hear me talk about going to a protest. Protesting isn't for me because knowing my nature, I'll be out there bucking shit. Like, <laughs> and, and it's not healthy. Um, instead, having this platform doing what we're doing is our activism. The artwork that we do is our activism. Being a part, I've been a part of a play for the past six seven years eight years nine years started in 2011 it's been nine years going on that i've been doing this play that has addressed this very issue that we're dealing and struggling with now right i don't want I don't talk to me about being on the front line like I, we've been doing this for a while right yeah and the frustration again that i've been fighting back is seeing this not only happen again and knowing that this has happened to all of us right and it could have been all of us, but the fact that it exists and people are still people are still questioning things. People are still doubting. You know, people are still <laughs> still don't get it, right? And and by people I mean the masses, people that are still subscribing to like you you being you being white and not understanding your privilege and not you or you being white and not utilizing your privilege to be able to have a voice uh, to change systemic oppression, racism, right? And I use the two very distinctly because the racism is against those that are black or people of color and it's a bigger picture. And then systemic oppression is more where you fall into the classism where that affects people that aren't necessarily people of color, right? Just wanted to reiterate that. Um, I love seeing that everything is burning. I love the energy of it because I get it. At the same token, it diminishes your, your, your voice and it takes away from the bigger agenda of trying to create social change by doing that because you are ultimately destroying uh, your entire motive. Like the people that you need to listen to, you aren't listening because of all of that. And to be fair, it's not us. We're not burning stuff. We ain't burning shit. Yeah. We're not looting. It's not us. And and those of us that are black or people of color that are doing it have been provoked by those that aren't black. And there's video evidence to prove it. Yep. Like I'm again, I'm all for I'm not against anybody that's out there protesting because if that's if that's the way that you do it, then 
then do that. You know what I mean? Again, it's it's not for me personally. Yeah. Um, but at the same token, if you're gonna do it, if you're gonna protest, have a game plan. Like understand why you why you're out there. And, and part of the reason why I'm against a lot of this, the protesting and have never been for it, it's like, what are we doing afterwards? Yeah. Like, what's the game? What like what's the game plan? Like a protest is meant for me. It's meant to bring awareness to an issue. It's Who doesn't know about this shit that's going on? Who don't know? Who doesn't know? I will say that I do appreciate the protests in this instance specifically because the the cop that killed Floyd <clears throat> was arrested pretty quickly thereafter. And I don't feel, I feel like they would have dragged it on and he would have still been sitting at home had they not seen that people are pissed and they're ready to burn shit down. Which and and I and I agree, but it shouldn't be that way. But and and what what upsets me though is this ain't his first trip. No, you know what I'm saying? Like it is though. It never is. And, and, he was so cavalier. He was kneeling on him with his hands in his pockets, chilling like he's waiting for the bus or something. Like this is what I do, and knew in his heart of hearts that he was going to do this with impunity with no consequences expected no nothing because he had done it before and he had gotten away with it before i mean i'm not i don't know what exactly his history is i didn't read that i don't know that he's killed anyone before but obviously he has a record of abuses he's been involved in a police chase that resulted in a car crash that killed three people He's been involved in two other shootings, one with a Latino um, guy who died and a, and a black man who I was shot, but I, I believe survived, if I remember correctly. Um, I think for me, what I want people to realize is we saw the video of his knee in, his ne in George Floyd's neck for over nine minutes, close to 10 minutes. And that young lady started the video and he already had his knee on his neck. So we don't even know how long prior to that young lady's video that his knee was in George, George Floyd's neck. That's number one. Two, as I watched it, I can't remember, I can't count how many times I saw him reposition his knee and the expression on his, I, like I'm, I'm big on body language. So watching him readjust his knee countless times and his facial expressions in terms of like as the young brother was standing there <clears throat> you know saying like like look I've, I've gone to the academy i've done the training i know what you're doing like mm -hmm. you're cutting off his circulation and, and his air supply as that guy was repeating that i'm watching the cop's body language and his facial expressions and it seemed like he was like oh you're right and I'm going to keep repositioning because I'm dead set on ending this guy's life right here, right now. And just because. And you know, once the paramedics took took George Floyd away and all the cops, you know, walked away, like I, again, I'm watching body language, right? They're so casual, like like they've done this before. One. And two, you know, it's it's one of those like 
he seemed like he was getting off on it. Yeah. Like I like TMI maybe, but freaking check the man's draws. Did he freaking you know? Was he self pleasuring himself by by ending this guy's life? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it was it was one of those where like <clears throat> this is you know murder and lynching in broad daylight at its finest and what what i also want people to kind of realize like you know who either haven't seen the video or maybe they've only seen a small clip of it on the news one i'm sick and tired of like the news playing ahmaud aubrey's death over and over from start to finish like we understand we get it let's not keep showing that because it just desensitizes people even more right. but with with george floyd's case um the fact that it was at least nine minutes and 40 something seconds if i remember correctly from what we saw of that young lady's video like a lot of the news stations are only showing like you know a short snippet of it which I get because it it's becomes a it's a long video it becomes graphic but in condensing it down you know our white counterparts you know Asians all the other ethnicities out there they don't they don't become as enraged because they don't see the length of time that this man had to endure that that severe treatment and punishment and judgment and you know a, a death sentence like all because a clerk thought he saw something that he didn't even see and i don't even know if this is accurate but it turns out like the alleged forged money or or whatever like turned out to be real mm -hmm. at least from what i've heard um so again i don't know the accuracy on that but you know it's like it's still it it's beside the point like even it if it doesn't justify if, him losing his life exactly yeah, even, exactly. If, even if even if even if, if, even if, if it was fake go to trial you don't have your and your trial your 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 conviction and your sentencing your death sentence there on a spot done by three guys or well, four officers well, like but not only that even if he had gone to trial and say what he did was something against the law the sentence for that is not death <laughs> exactly. it's a fine maybe but he was innocent innocent i mean and that's that's so i know i went on a rant i'm gonna try to organize all of my thoughts so i'm not just no I, before we, before we jumped on like i i had several different thoughts from several angles going through my head so like yeah. i think the audience needs to kind of bear with us as we might go we might go all over the place and to the and and i just i just want to say i just want to say uh thank you to the audience for for your support hopefully everyone is safe and taking care of themselves uh and um and despite where you you know despite where you are in the world or how this affects you i'm hoping that you're taking the proper steps and as we always say do your research and 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 be effective when it comes to being a part of this a part of this this issue in this movement um 
I want to start off by saying the main issue uh, that I have is with policing, with the system of policing. I think that needs to be said, especially for those that are watching that may not be aware if you're, you're new to our show or you've been here for a minute, like we've talked about this before. We've actually had former officers on our show to talk about issues in the past. Uh, shout out to, you know, Officer uh, Anthony. Um, and when you do your research, you understand that the, the system of policing came from slavery. Yeah. The first police force was actually to it was a to bring it right, bring the slaves back in and keep them in check and keep them in order. Fast forward to make it personal in California when you know in the sixties when they was when they was kicking kicking everything up, they were busting in officers and military former military from the south yeah. to come out here to try to get things under control. So this is the system that we're dealing with. These officers that you have in certain communities like George Floyd and the countless amount of others, the LAPD, the NYPD, like a lot of the ones that we hear these stories about, a lot of times they don't come from the communities in which they police, yeah. which makes it easier for them to uh, dehumanize the individuals that live there, right? Now, it's it's easy to cliche and say, oh, there are good officers and all of that. We know that. The world knows that. I have a brother of mine whose father is a really great guy. Matter of fact, my brother, his he has three generations of officers. His grandfather was uh, worked security for, for, for Martin Luther King. You know what I mean? His dad was a lieutenant in Pasadena. His brother, you know, just recently joined the force. Needless to say that there's good officers out there and they all black, right? There's good officers and they trying to they're trying to do well. And it's unfair because they kind of get thrown under the generalization, you know, under this umbrella of bad policing because of one bad officer. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's and, and we don't understand the fight that they're going through with inside the belly of the beast. But what I'm hoping that those of you watching that's that's seeing everything like yeah, it you know the destruction and the vandalism and the looting and the criminal you know the, the criminal activity is is not what we're condoning, right? But at the same token, it's 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 a systemic thing that ultimately is bringing out a lot of this rage and frustration because it's certain it's it's certain aspects of policing that we have suffered from me personally driving a nice car down the street in, in my hometown of Pomona and getting pulled over and never being told what I'm being pulled over for it. And then being asked if I got grenades and rocket launchers literally in my car. Rocket you know what I'm saying? That's Bruh, like a bazooka, like ask if I had a bazooka in the car, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it, again, this, the, the, the system is what's problematic. Yeah. Right. And ultimately, you you know, now that we live in this age where information is is instant, you know, where something pop off out my window right now, I can turn on my phone, go live and the world is seeing it immediately. You know what I mean? Like there's no longer any speculation. You know what I mean? I don't know what the time gap was for the Rodney King thing, 
but you think about Ahmaud Arbery. You know what I mean? That was that happened back in February. We just now finding out about it. So it's like one of those things to where information is traveling instantly. I'm hoping that that people get a chance to understand what the what the the motive that we're fighting for is that it's it's bigger than just you know it's bigger than just what's being told to you that this is a systemic thing that has existed for a very long time that has been dismissed because certain language has been brought up when you start talking about slavery immediately people dismiss it all that happened so long ago but you as a white person haven't dealt with the same things that we as black people have dealt with when it comes to the oppression of a lot of these systemic issues that that are occurring and now you're seeing it all boil over because it has existed for so long in several different places and here we are what was you gonna say swift i was gonna say even let's let's think unrealistically for a second even if you take the slavery portion out of the equation just yeah. look at it from the simple fact of the oppression of um, a certain class of people, whether it's okay. color, economic, you know, background or what have you, like just the simple fact that there is a level of oppression that's targeted at certain groups from a humanity standpoint, you know, can we not make that right? Is that too much to ask? And I think that's what, you know, I'm hoping like, you know, with all these freaking um, riots and looting, like, you know, some of these people are like, or more of these people are, are realizing like, yeah, we have to deal with this because it's, it's not right from a humanity standpoint. And one thing like I wanna make sure like people understand coming from me um, that you know, we see we see you know reporters out on the street and they're interviewing you know um, people like during you know the looting and all that kind of stuff. And you know, there's been some articulate people out there who've like um, brought up great points. Um, but for me, I think the most important thing that that everybody should be saying is the main thing we are asking for is to hold these people accountable. That's it. That's it, like for, in its simplest form, hold them accountable. At bare minimum, if a cop takes a life of an individual who is unarmed, he should do 10 years minimum. Now, if it's like excessive force, then we can go up to like, you know, 15, 25 life, whatever the case. But there has to be accountability because if there's, when, there is no accountability. You see this over and over and over. When the freaking baboon in the White House isn't being held accountable, he does more and more because he he's like, well, I pushed the line this far. They didn't hold me accountable, so now I'm gonna push it this far. Yeah. Didn't hold me accountable. Now I'm gonna push it this far. Like. But it, that's that's natural. I mean, you see it with kids. Yes. If you yeah. want to break yeah. it all the way, all the way down. If you're a parent, you get it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. not if you're a, if if you just knowing the behavior just simple human behavior people will push the line and cross it whenever they can period right period i was watching something the other day um about a study that harvard did right and it was crazy 
Harvard did this study on empathy and they found out that 80% of people, 80% of people lack empathy, any kind of empathy whatsoever. They're not sociopaths. They just don't get empathy. They can't understand walking a mile in someone else's shoes. It just does not register to them. So we are fighting this fight hoping that 20% of the people who are not people of color actually get it because the other 80% is a lost cause. Right. <laughs> like yeah. that's basically what it comes down to. And, yeah. and knowing that and then not holding people accountable on top of it just compounds the issue that much more because now people are desensitized to it because, oh, if the cop's not held accountable, then, well, it must not have been that bad. Then the excuses roll in. Then it's, oh, well, I'm sure they did something to deserve it. Oh, well, they shouldn't have run. And then you get that snowball effect of, oh, well, they should have complied. They should have this, they should have that. And then when all of those parameters have been met, compliance happened, respect happened. The, you know, they followed all of the orders that were given to them by the cops and they still got shot or or suffocated or whatever then that's when the cognitive dissonance comes in oh well i'm sure they did something they were probably just a bad person they deserve to die and and so again we flash back to the protests and i'm not i'm not condoning like the looting and the and and the the rioting and whatnot even when done by by people of color because that's the only language that these people seem to understand. understand. Yeah. Because and, and at this point, when you hear you hear all these people talking about, oh well the looting and the rioting and the stealing and the why do they have to do this? Well, mm-hmm. because you people hold merchandise and capitalism and the almighty dollar above black bodies. So now we're you want to continue to take You've been looting black bodies for years. <laughs> Decades, centuries. <laughs> so now when we loot your stuff, that's a language that you obviously understand. Maybe, maybe and, and, you can. And, and I'm, glad, I'm, I'm glad that we are adding context to this because it, you know, again, um, like coming into it, like I, I, my brain was everywhere, I think, as we mentioned. So I'm glad that we that we are adding context. And you said something that was very important. Um, when you when you have a lack of accountability, there is a high a high risk of people losing hope, which is what we're seeing. Yeah. People don't have and I mean and, and by people, I'm gonna be I made intentions during the during the new moon, and it's to eliminate toxic language and that doesn't mean that i'm going to stop cursing it's going to be to be very specific and precise in the things that i say right so eliminating they and you know and being vague and being very specific right when black people when you when you when you refer to black people you're referring to particular communities that have that haven't had hope in the justice system in politics, in a lot of those things, right? And a lot of it is a lack of information or information that has been distorted, especially when you think about, 
you know, we talk about voting and getting out to vote. Like, yeah, the presidential that, you know, we know that that's rigged and all of that, but then voting on the local level where things actually matter. And again, going back to holding not only the, the officers, but your DA, the mayor, you know, uh, your local officials, holding them accountable for a lot of those things. And I think that's why, you know, this him being arrested came so fast is because they were holding, you know, the mayor even stepped up and was like, look, he needs to get, yeah. you know, charged and, and you know, there needs to be there. He needs to go through the process, et cetera, et cetera, because he knew, hey, I'm in this position of office because of the people. Mm-hmm. Um, but not only but, that, anybody would go through the process, meaning you'd get arrested, you would be charged, you would charged. go to and then... Go- and then if you get convicted and get sentenced based on, you know, which I want to touch on that too, but then you have, again, going back to black people, there's a lack of, of, of trust and faith within the system because we've seen it so many times, yeah. you know, and, and again, going back to Tiana's point, that's what you're seeing the the, the the overflow of that is it's the frustration that's coming back and it's like all right well look we tried talking to y'all we tried posting things when back when this happened with you know when ultimately Trayvon Martin is our version of Emmett Till with kind of firing off this new wave of civil protest and civil rights you know and and asking for our humanity as, as Swivel said to be you know acknowledged in a sense you're not listening to that Pac said it best. He was like, look, we've been knocking and saying, hey, we hungry. Can you let us in? After a while, we're going to kick in the door and start ripping everything up. Right. And that's what you're seeing. What I'm hoping, though, with with, you know, this protest is that individuals understand that to Tiana's point, hurting them in the pockets. It's a matter. It, it doesn't serve you any justice if you go out and you protest and you burn down a target, which we saw. Right. But then. Once all of this is over and tensions, you know, kind of kind of settle down and you go right back and you start shopping at these very corporations and institutions that have money invested inside of private prisons and school to prison pipelines and, and things of that nature. Talking about that target real quick, just to interject, I saw a report that apparently and I and I've only seen just one one thing about this i so do again do your research but it was reported i guess that that particular target mm. was um funding or helping to fund the police department i also heard and, that i don't know if you're gonna say but i also heard they that particular target was refusing to sell certain supplies to the black community um I, and i can't remember if it was solely because of you know covid or like if once like you know people started kind of becoming vocally upset you know and and right before like looting happened you know then target was like eh, no we don't want your business like but they have <laughs> uh, had issues with individuals in and management in that particular target for you know a while prior plus you know that added to the fact that they were funding the police department i guess a significant amount of like because all targets donate to something like some of them donate right. schools and whatnot and so that one was a direct like a donation to the police department which my speculation is is just a clean way to launder your money you know what i mean it's, it's basically you watching you watching something you feel me and again that speculation that's not but that's not based on any 
tangible evidence or anything, but understanding how a lot of, you know, the, the corruption exists, how much corruption exists within that level of, of corporate behavior is, no, I wouldn't doubt it. Um, I but just, I mean, it, it makes sense. And I, and I think a lot of those businesses and corporations that, you know, are have been silent and, and have been a part of the problem, you know, even if they've been complicit or, or been neutral, you starting to see it. You know what I mean? You starting to see them get damaged. Now, I don't condone a lot of the ignorance of people breaking in. Like, you know, I know in Los Angeles this weekend, we saw, you know, dispensaries getting broken into and other businesses that are just sensitive. Like, why are you breaking into a Mercedes Benz? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, I get it. If it's the same concept of they, you know, they've been putting money into the police, like, I get it. But then at the same token, like, y'all not, y'all not getting anything done by breaking into any of these stores and stealing. Like, I saw somebody steal, like, a Honda crossover. Like, they gonna track that down. Like, there's a VIN number. Like, that's not you not doing anything with that. If anything, you know, it's find out find out the paper trail. You know what I'm saying? Find out where Honda is sending their money. You know what I mean? Are they actually, you know, profiting off of private prisons or, you know, are they benefiting off of, you know, are they putting money into uh, the systemic oppression? Then you go about it that way. They're just going off of off of emotion and just smashing whatever is like right there in sight. But like, I mean, you know, knocking off sneaker stores just so you can have a, a come up on some sneakers or, you know, it's like, it's what's the point. But again, that kind of goes back to like, well, it's not us per se, as far as black people that are starting it, like Quest Love, posted like he's seen well over 20 clips and i've seen i've seen several i've myself. seen eight or more myself of white boys in broad daylight lighting things on fire and dropping them off through windows like and you know whether you want to go to exactly whether you want to go to down that rabbit hole of you know like those things are done being done perpetually to spark you know these riots and looting and that kind of thing or if it's just one of those like those guys are trying to like vent their frustration that's how they know how to do it and then once they've set something ablaze or smashed in a door then like you know other black people who weren't really ready to like go to that level but they just take advantage of the situation yeah. right it's like that mob mentality that but I mean, again, either way, either way, it, it speaks to privilege. And and shout out to to Tiffany Hobbs. We had her on the show. Um, she started the record, the record company, one on uh, one records and everything. We had her on the show. She's probably the, the biggest activist and un, unapologetic individual that I know. Went down to Fairfax, uh, you know, this weekend uh, for the protest. And, you know, eventually the police presence, you know, showed up and started to basically shut everything down. She sat in her car and she, you know, uh, posted on her story on Instagram her thoughts and what she saw because she just started to observe. And long story short, she noticed that out of maybe 300 people, there was only about 10 people that were black, right? And she, while she was literally filming her story, she saw somebody hop out of their car, write graffiti, a white person hop out of their car, 
vandalize a bus and then jump back in their car, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Some of the same clips that you probably saw, you know, that I've, I've been seeing and posting have been of white people throwing things from, you know, from yards of way, you know what I mean? They'll throw something at the police and then that affects the, the you know, the black protesters that are on the front line just trying to be peaceful, you know what I mean? And ultimately what you're, or even white people vandalizing and putting Black Lives Matter on a building, you know, and, and black women saying like, look, don't do that. Yeah, because we that. gonna catch the crap for that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like y'all, y'all not doing any justice or service to, I get that y'all frustrated, but again, what are we out here doing? You yeah. know what I mean? If you do decide to go out there and protest, understand what you're doing. And again, don't go out there and protest if you're just gonna turn around and still shop at Target, shop at, you know, at, at people that are benefiting off of the oppression of black people or not supporting black people. You know what I mean? Like, it ain't doing no... How many of those people are doing it because they are truly upset and frustrated at the system? Or how many of them are are plants there in order to discredit the message that the black and brown community is trying to send? Like, and that's where like, again, accountability needs to happen. And I love the fact that um, that snitch ass cop, his wife, like, you know, the day, I think the, the day before he got arrested, she filed for a divorce. And you I love- the day before? I, the day he got arrested. It was either the day he got no. arrested or, or the, the day, day before. After. Well, Here, here's, here's where, here's where I have a problem with it. And again, I, this is a very, uh, I don't, I don't know all the details clearly. I don't know this woman, but from, from face value, I, I'm very skeptical about her actions because again, this isn't his first rodeo, right? You were still married to him back when all the rest of that BS was happening. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And again, from, from face value, seeing how protesters showed up at your front door, you know what I mean? And you had to have an army of police officers protecting and, and helping you barricade your house because they found out where you live and they pulled up on you. You know what I mean? So now, now it's real for you because it's your livelihood is now in danger. Your family is now in danger. So now do you want out because, you know, you seek a refuge now because you affected by it? Because now you you feel the heat and the pressure? Because you know like, oh, if he doesn't get, despite how much time he gets, I think at this point, and I'm speaking for myself, people want blood. Yeah. Like there needs to be a casualty in this civil war that we dealing with, right? Like that officer needs to die. The officers like, and, and I'm saying that out of frustration and emotion, right? Like George Zimmerman, he needs his life taken. Like he needs to die. Like there ain't no put him in jail. Like we seen them get off. We seen them, them have reduced sentences. Like somebody gotta die, bro. Like somebody needs to bleed and die from this. Like we like we don't want to see anybody go to jail or go into a system that's ultimately protecting you, right? Yeah, so you being a they'll, wife, they'll put him in jail. And like I've seen people say, well, like if he go when he goes to jail, you know, he needs to be put with the general population, who will then do. Right. But he won't be. He won't see general pop because he's, he's a part of the fraternity. Have all the protection, you know, he's gonna what? Like, it'll you're be- gonna be in Camp Snoopy, where you're gonna you're gonna have all of the privileges that 
the general, the, you're gonna have all the privileges that somebody that's in jail right now for a marijuana charge doesn't have yeah. with marijuana now being legal. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you gonna have more rights in, in prison, in jail or wherever you're going. You know what I'm saying? That, that a common person that doesn't have any, you know, any a malicious act, you know, somebody that hasn't committed a murder, you know what I mean? That's in there on a third strike, you know, that may have a felony off of something like whatever, whatever the case may be, it doesn't matter. They didn't kill somebody. You know what I mean? You're going to be protected from it. You know what I'm saying? And so again, this, this goes back to, you know, I want to make sure that we, we still zero in on the context of the overall, you know, overall point of what's happening, right? That's part of the system. You know what I'm saying? Like you being protected. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like let's let's make this equal. Let's make this an equal, you know, playing field. If he's gonna get special treatment, then give that to the black dude. You know what I mean? Like, and I think part of this is where, you know, black people don't want to hear anything. And and why I said what I said when we first started is because we seen we seen white people kill nine, you know, nine black people in church. We seen you do mass murder and then you get royal treatment, you get a bulletproof vest and get treated somewhere else. Meanwhile, somebody that gets accused of having a fake $20 bill or right for initially they said it was a, a fake check. If that's the case, like you could track that down. Like you could track that down. You know what I'm saying? But it's a fake 20. It's like, all right, cool. It's a fake 20. He deserved to die because of that. Let's keep the playing field even. They you drove go kill somebody with fake 20, kill, kill, kill the white ones too. They drove a white boy who who killed a bunch of people. They drove him to McDonald's because he said he was hungry. I'm saying the, the nine like, in the church. Yeah. Yeah, and like I'm saying. you know, I mean, I remember uh I believe it was like in the nineties when I was a kid, like um a black man getting charged for an obscene amount of years because he drove the car the getaway car in I think it was like a, a robbery of some kind and and, a, and somebody was killed like but he was the driver he had nothing to do with the shooting or anything like that he was just the driver yeah but he got an obscene amount Came of accessory he was murder. accomplice so can we can we talk about the charges real quick with this guy yeah, this yeah um so I know that a lot of people were looking for it. So, and I think that's something that I know that I want to receive more information about and be educated more about. And I think in the in the upcoming weeks for the show, we should bring somebody that can articulate um, a lot of the, the law, you know, the law aspects um, a little bit better than just us kind of speculating and going off, right? So I understand that in the past, a lot of the officers have been charged with like first degree murder, right? And we've seen them get off because according to the law, first degree murder is something that's premeditated. So again, in my uneducated, you know, mind, um, it's it's literally somebody sitting, you know, hypothetically, I'm sitting in my room, I'm thinking about inflicting harm or trying to kill a person or a group of people, coming up with the plan and then going to execute that plan. Yes. That would be considered first degree. Um, I think second degree is clearly kind of like somebody dies, but it's kind of, you know, it's it's different, right? A third degree, which I believe... But you may not have premeditated it. You haven't premeditated it. Yeah. Third degree is what this officer was charged with, whereas, again, it wasn't premeditated. It wasn't, um, it wasn't intentional, but it was like somebody died 
you know, due to some action that you took, right? Here's where it starts to get convoluted because of the simple fact that there was an autopsy that came out that apparently shows that, that uh, you know, Brother Lloyd didn't die from asphyxiation or suffocation, right? So if in the court, the, the defending, you know, defending lawyer can try to play an angle to say, well, you know, he didn't die from the inflictions that, you know, the officer put on him. But the family <laughs> is the family is actually contesting they're doing the second. And right. They're going to get a, 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 an, an independent autopsy done. And, and here's the thing, like it could it, let's say let's say that this first autopsy hypothetically was correct. Right. And. And, and 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 this is me just trying to trying to be neutral in in the situation, right? To try to get down to the facts, right? Let's say that that he didn't die from you know asphyxiation, and the, apparently the, it said that he had a pre-existing um, you know condition or whatever the case may be. The facts still remains that he died in your custody. He was being detained, and he died under some actions that you provided. And I think with the charges that are up against him, um, I read like an, I don't know if it's considered an affidavit or a complaint, I don't know what it's uh, what it's actually called, but somebody wrote it up and actually spelled out the charges and what was happening and exactly, you know, detailed the, the interaction between the officer and, and, and George Floyd, right? And- Murder and manslaughter, correct? And manslaughter, yeah. And I think with that, and I think the maximum is is 25 years, yeah. right? I, I believe- For murder three, it, the max is 25 years, and then- It's 10 years for manslaughter. 10 years for manslaughter, right. So I'm thinking that he's definitely going to be convicted of at least that, because according to how it was spelled out, he did not, he didn't comply with the protocol that you know the, the 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 policing you know you know ultimately enforces like you're supposed to come you know go through a certain protocol of if somebody is saying that they can't breathe or whatever the case may be which i personally feel like he according to information that's being presented he ultimately had like an anxiety attack because they were saying that they were trying to get him to get into the car and he mentioned that he was claustrophobic right and then like his body basically was freezing up and he fell, which I think led to him being on the ground, which there's also video of them punching him inside of the, the squad car as well. So I don't know the, the, the order, the chronological order of these events happening, but whatever the case may be, you did not offer a service to somebody that clearly was in distress, despite whether or not, you know, him, you thinking that he can breathe because he's talking or whatever the case may be, like he's in distress and you didn't comply with that. Ultimately him dying, you're now responsible for this man's death. What I want people to understand, because I've seen a lot of outrage online about how come he didn't get murder one, he deserves murder one. And as much as we feel like, yeah, he deserves the, as I would not be mad to see him go to like a gas chamber. Period. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not, no, I don't want that. I don't want him to go to a gas chamber. I want, I want him to get killed in general population. Like I want him to get strangled and thrown over the top. You know what I'm saying? The top tier. Like I want him to die. Like, as much as I would like to see 
like the ultimate punishment for him for what he did to this man. Um, people need to understand that, like you mentioned, overcharging him will result in him getting off. We've seen it time and time and time again when we are like, yeah, charge this cop, blah, blah, blah. And um, I want to say, what was it, Mike Brown? They charged yeah. the cop with murder one. Murder one, they yeah. Meet the burden of proof for murder one, so he got off. Because it, it didn't come off as premeditated. Exactly. And if you right. can't meet the burden of proof for that, they will get off. Even if they get indicted, we can celebrate all day. But the indictment is not the hard part. In all honesty, I, yeah. a lot of people have heard the phrase, like, you can indict a ham sandwich. It's not hard to get an, for a lawyer to get an indictment. That happens all day long. It's the actual conviction. So to have a, a cop convicted of first degree murder is what the problem is. So it's actually better that they didn't charge him with murder one. Yeah. Then, yeah. so, and a lot of people are in an uproar and pissed off about that, but it's more likely that he will actually see jail time and be convicted of something with a murder three and a manslaughter charge than it is if they charged him with murder one. And, and in my, boss, I'm like you, in my layman's understanding of murder one, two, three, from what I understand, murder one, there's no, there's no way we can go with murder one. Like it, we don't stand a chance of getting a conviction because no. there's no premeditation in that, in that situation. Like, I mean, you can make the small argument yeah. of, of it only because they, they came out, they worked together as security guards at a, at a local nightclub. But at the same time, yeah, the, the owner of the nightclub said like, oh yeah, they both worked they both together. Were employed. But she did. She did also stipulate that George uh, Floyd worked indoors and the indoors, cops yeah. worked outside. So yeah. that part will get tossed out easy because it, it'll be easy for the defense attorney to be like, "Look, they never really interacted with each other at work, so there was no opportunity for this snitch cop to create animosity towards Floyd or even knew who he was when they were trying to arrest him." So. I think that part, that part can get wiped out real easy. So, real quick. who is the highest we would be able to push for? But again, like and if murder two says you meant to kill somebody. Yeah, you meant to kill him. Now, for me, the body language said you meant to kill him on the yeah. spot. But, but we can't that. prove that because we don't. We can't prove what was going on inside his mind. But short of saying I'm going to kill him. Right. I mean. Right. And that and Faz, going back to your point. Uh, a minute ago like you guys you guys are police officers you guys are first responders so when somebody is saying i can't do this i can't breathe you know i'm i can't move there's a lot that's being there's a lot of information that's being um blurted out in that moment where the cops then have an obligation to say he can't breathe let me render aid or he's saying, I can't move. You have three officers kneeling on that man. You know if he's resisting or not. Yeah. Because when he's lying there, saying he can't move, one, and then two, physically not really putting up a fight. And then handcuffed on top and of it. And handcuffed on top of it. Like, and you- Here's you my know. thing. And then you also talk about, you talked about 
him resisting when the video came out from the shop owner showing that he was complying with everything. Even if, again, him being claustrophobic, or let's say hypothetically he started to resist, it didn't take three of you to kneel on him that way, especially when you have other means of, of detaining a person. When you have a stun gun or you have rubber bullets, you know what I mean? And again, the man is handcuffed, right? So, sorry, go ahead, go ahead, yeah, like, no, like you're, you're, I agree. And it's, and like Tiana said, even if you're kneeling on the man and like maybe initially when you, when he goes to the ground, like there is a, you know, a feeling of resistance or a smidgen of actual resistance. When you're kneeling on him for, for close to 10 minutes, at some point he's no longer resisting. And that was probably around the two or three minute mark into you guys kneeling on him. And again, I'll stress the fact that we saw the video when they already were kneeling on him. We don't know how long they were kneeling on him before the young lady started the video. Yeah. And so- What were, were y'all waiting for though? What were they waiting for? They were waiting for him to die. That's what they were waiting but, but, for. But that's what I'm saying. Like, and I get that, but it's like, you're kneeling on him. You're, you're clearly detaining him for purpose. What were you waiting for? Why kneel on him that long? Why not pick him up and put him in his car car? Are you waiting for backup? Like you clearly have four officers there, right? And I get it, like maybe y'all, cause that, the one that was holding everybody at bay, he looked like a bitch, first of all. Like you, you look scrawny, like whatever, right? So if y'all didn't have the manpower to pick him up and put him inside of a squad car, are you waiting for more officers? Like, what are you waiting for? What were you waiting for? What was your point? Like, what were you doing? And I, I, I don't, you know, the, I haven't, I've only watched the video once, um, but I was trying to analyze it as much as possible when I watched it, right? And the, the Filipino or Asian cop who was standing there, you know, kind of keeping the, the people back, um, I couldn't hear him clearly, but I swear there was a couple of times he made comments that like they thought George Floyd was under some kind of um, drug influence and was having, you know, a, a like overdose type of reaction. And that's why they were restraining him on the ground. But again, even if that's the case, even if we were to believe that, it doesn't make, it doesn't justify the fact that you knelt on him, three guys knelt on him for close to 10 minutes. Because when, you know, again, the last two to three minutes of the video, you can see George is physically spent. He can no longer move. His breathing drastically slows down. At that point, two things should have happened. Like you said, three guys should be able to physically pick you up and then put you in the car. But before that, he was screaming out, I can't breathe. So when he stops moving, that's when you should say, hmm, maybe we should turn him over, let allow this man to get some oxygen because we are not supposed to take a life, one. We're supposed to protect and serve, two. We're, we're first responders, we should render aid if necessary, three. Four, you've got however many civilians out there yelling out, check his pulse. He can't breathe, he's not moving. Get off him, he's not moving. You, you can get off him now. Now, then, then this is where, like, it, it for me, it's kind of like, you know, does this fall under a gray area for when it goes back to the law, right? When you talk about 
first, second, and third degree. At that point, when you become aware that you are inflicting harm or somebody's life is, is you know, ultimately leaving them, does that, and you still proceed with your actions, right? Does that then now constitute it being a higher charge? You know what I mean? Like, again, I'm, I mean, I don't know, but it, it's one of those things that it's like, you know, that's where my mind is going. It's like, clearly there has to be some, I mean, I know that the law is almost designed for individuals in these type of cases to be able to be free because it's, you know, it's all left up to interpretation. And ultimately it's whatever way that a jury can be swayed when it comes to the arguments, right? But it's like, again, like I'm thinking like when you see that somebody and it's clear, like, um, you know, Steven Jackson made a good point. He was like, look, man, like when you have somebody and this is black people understanding black people, when a nigga is calling out for his mama, yeah, and apparently his mom had passed away, you know what I'm saying? Like when you calling out for for your mama and you yelling out, please, like, bruh, like you, <laughs> you desperate at that point, you know what I'm saying? Like there's subtle nuances to black culture, and that's one of them. Like when you start screaming out for help and you screaming for your mother, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, I, to to go to your point a minute ago, like you can, from what I understand, you can um, up the level of of charges. So you know, if they wanted to bump it up to a murder too, it's it's something that can be done. And for me, again, in kind of analyzing the situation, um, watching the paramedics arrive take the man's pulse while that that snitch ass cop still had his knee on his neck and then the way they just the way they just kind of disrespectfully rolled him over and 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 dragged him onto the stretcher like you know that it can't supposedly it's reported that George Floyd later died at the hospital right but if that's the case he would have had somewhat of a pulse. It probably would have been faint on the spot. You're the paramedics. When you rolled him over and those freaking bitch ass cops finally got off him, why were you not with the oxygen mask on the spot giving him oxygen? Why, when you put him on a stretcher, was somebody not giving him oxygen? Why, when you put him in the ambulance, do we not see anybody administering any type of aid? It's because, in my opinion, he was already gone. And at that point, based off of that scenario alone, I can see how, how a, a prosecution can up the ante to a, a murder too. Because you deliberately took this man's life. It wasn't premeditated ahead of time, but in the heat of the moment, you got to a point where you were like, you know what, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep pressing. And I'm going yeah. to shift my knee because when he, when George Floyd kind of turns and to try to get some more oxygen, I'm going to reposition myself to cut that supply off. And like you said, when he's screaming, please, and for his mother, that should be an indication like we've gone too far. 
It but is, it, 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 it isn't, and that's why that's why we see the level of of rage and frustration spilling over not just in Minneapolis, Minneapolis where it happened, but in at least 22, I think I heard even 30 different cities across the country. Yeah. And people were from why, why is this happening? Look yeah. and just open your eyes. Just open your eye. And going back to my, my earlier point, like, you know, I don't we shouldn't show the full length of this man's um execution. Yeah. But for people for people who are not black and brown to understand, they should see the entire thing. And and feel what nine minutes and 40 seconds plus feels like of a man pleading like you know I've, I've it's it's a lion freaking with his jaws around a, a zebra's neck it's a it's a boa constrictor who will wrap itself around uh its prey and squeeze and every time you exhale your stomach gets smaller so they can squeeze even tighter it's a slow agonizing fucking process and that's why I agree with Tiana. Like that man should see the gas chamber. He should feel a slow, agonizing, suffocating process, and understand yeah. what that feels like, because that's yeah. justice. And, 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 and was really a century, but it hasn't. Well, in Minnesota, Minnesota, apparently it was eliminated in 1911. Oh. But what's what's crazy is is that. Time and time again, we've seen these type of officers claim that they fear for their life. You know what I'm saying? Man? And and it's it's <laughs> I'm I'm just wondering, and 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 this has been like my biggest agenda with all of this, with all of the anger and everything. And again, like I'm I've been fighting the urge to to like I've been afraid to go outside. Like in the area that I work at, when it comes to the restaurant. It's, it's populated by a lot of white people, right? And during my lunch break, like I've been just exhausted just from, from working both jobs, right? And um, on my lunch break, I'll go sit in my car and just try to, I can't even, like, I can't even rest. Like I can't even take a little quick nap or anything. And as I'm watching people walk by, I, I, I check myself because it's like, okay, they're not immediately responsible, but then, their ignorance to what's happening, you know what I'm saying, enrages me, you know what I'm saying? And the privilege that they exist in, you know what I mean? And just interactions that I've had while being in that area just kind of light me up, right? And it's and it's hard for me to, I'm, I'm really fighting not to just, to, to be triggered, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm hoping that no one gives me a reason yeah. is is where I stand, right? Um, and with that, trying to channel all of that energy into an agenda to help bring awareness and help people to understand, you know, everything that's going on as far as it being systemic, I'm really wondering if there's a way or want to try to put something in place to where we're fighting these types of instances with, um, changing laws and changing definitions of murder one, murder two, and murder three, when it comes to subtle nuances, right? And people fearing for their life. Like one of the things that I appreciate, which clearly we saw, and I mean, clearly this is an outburst because we've seen three, four incidences in the past 
what is it like two weeks in a sense with um please forgive me for forgetting the young lady's name i believe it was brianna i forget her last name brianna taylor was right saw brianna taylor george floyd we saw the man that was in the park um you know we saw Maude arbery and then we saw the young man that was in the park um cooper was which which ironically was the last name of, of the white lady that called the cops on him, right? We saw that happen, as well as a countless amount of other incidences where we saw, I saw a video of a young lady that, that pushed her autistic child into a lake um, and killed her child, like attempted it once, was unsuccessful, then did it again and, and successfully killed her child in a canal or, or something and blamed it on black people. Blaine said that, that black people killed him. And we're still seeing it, like white people getting beat up and, and knocked out and, and packed out and then, and then claiming that it was black people. I just saw a white dude say, you know, he got his head busted in Salt Lake City and said, oh, you know, yeah, they, they, they beat me. I got beat up by two African-Americans because I yelled out all lives matter out my window. But then the video surfaces of several people showing like, no, you was outside of your car with crossbow, crossbows, bro, pointed at people. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And then you got packed out, not by black people, yeah. but by white people. Not, yep. Yeah, not by blacks. Not by blacks. You got packed out by your own. You know what I'm saying? So we're seeing this and everything is is, is flaring up, right? And I, I, I say all that to say, I'm happy to see that that New York, I believe, is trying to bring criminal criminal charges against old girl for calling the police because ultimately, you know, it was an act of terrorism. You know what I mean? And this is where the conversation really needs to be had with instances like this and where laws and definitions of criminal activity needs to be readjusted and redefined because I've had police called on me before, right? And, and I understand police are doing their job. I understand that they're showing up to do a job, right? And if they're only getting one aspect, like if you call the police, that white lady called the police, I'm fearing for my life, blah, blah, blah. Like you crying and making it seem like you're distressed and your life is being threatened in the language that you're using, the dispatcher is going to relay that message that she's receiving to an officer. So now an officer is showing up to a scene expecting to see someone threatening somebody's life and he is unaware of whether or not you have a weapon he doesn't know whatever the case may be he doesn't know all he knows is that someone is in distress at what point do we fight the system in a sense of changing you know what it means to 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 you know to be a terrorist you know what i'm saying where do we change you know again this first degree second degree uh, you know, second degree, third degree. How do we change that to where people that are uh, that are participating, like this officer, whether you know he tried it or not, or tries to use this excuse of he, you know, he might have felt like his life was in danger or he feared for his life when clearly that wasn't the case. You know what I mean? When lying was clearly, you know, evident. When it comes to you talking about him resisting arrest when he wasn't, how do we change that? Is there a way to change that? That. I I believe there is a way to change it. It, it definitely comes with um, legislation and, and, you know, getting politicians to, um, I mean, we hear like, you know, 
the black community, we got to come up with a black agenda and, and get politicians on board and that kind of thing. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say we need a black agenda. At this point, we need a freaking human rights agenda that is equal across all all ethnicities and all playing fields. Um, but it's, you know, it's gonna, that's gonna take some time as far as like kind of getting the right politicians and whatever to rework the verbiage on a lot of these laws. And I agree with you a thousand percent, it has to happen. You know, I obviously understand that that's gonna be a long drawn out process, you know, to get um, legislation like proposed and then voted on and, and, you know, then, you know, but, you know, going to, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, um, on this whole line of like just generating change, Sean King, who I feel like a lot of times he doesn't get the respect he deserves. He is, he's launched something called Real Justice. Yeah. And his whole initiative and everything that he's doing is all about getting behind and getting funding behind DAs that have pledged to say that they are going to hold police accountable. That's his whole initiative. And it's across the board, it's nationwide. They look for specific, like DAs that are running, because obviously DAs are elected officials. If we yeah. want to hold cops accountable, we need to elect the right people. And it goes all the way back to your point, Foz, about actually participating in your local elections, because that's what makes the difference. Not the presidential election doesn't affect us as much as the local ones do. So his whole initiative, like I said, it's called Real Justice. They have created a super PAC, so it's the Real Justice PAC, that donates all of this money and stands behind DAs that have taken a specific pledge to them that say that they will absolutely hold police accountable in situations exactly like this. And maybe, you know, maybe in terms of like holding police accountable, maybe what needs to happen is like some of the verbiage in the laws need to be um written like in two different ways like one that applies to just regular citizens and one that implies to law enforcement because we see that like based the way it's written it's much easier for law enforcement to to either be acquitted or get a a, a drastically reduced sentence like in the botham case um or or you know not even get indicted and, yeah. and that's that's where you know we are as a community are all freaking screaming at, at people to, to understand like look we're asking it well we're demanding at this point accountability yeah and it's up to it's the word of the day the it's yeah, it's up to the powers that be to find a way to make accountability happen and i guarantee I guarantee you start holding cops in in particular accountable, things will change for the better. Yeah. And you know, they had a, a former DC police chief on CNN the other night and he was saying like, yeah, like I believe these guys, all four officers should be arrested and charged. Um, and um, you know, there should be convictions, but that's not going to solve the problem. We have a bigger systemic problem. And my right. immediate reaction was like, no, that will work to solve the problem because you 
the moment you hold one officer accountable, it sets precedent. And then what, you know, statistically speaking, this is going to happen again. So when the next situation happens, then, you know, there's more accountability that happens. And then after a while, officers see that trend and then they start to think, you know what? I don't want to lose my job and and end up, you know, doing 10, 20, 25 or more in prison, you know, based off of a, a quote unquote potential knee jerk reaction. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, But they should be held at a higher standard in general. Because you're a public servant. Well, and, and here's <laughs> the thing, though. I think a you lot of it salary. also, it, it comes down to, I think... Like I said, accountability is the word of the day, but there's so much more that needs to be done. Oh yeah. And like, I liked this point. Um, think about how long it takes for someone to become a lawyer. It takes you years and years of schooling to understand the letter of the law enough to be able to argue it in court. The police academy is eight freaking weeks. But but schooling and, are, and, and all but, that, but, I, I agree with you, but that's not going to change racism. To understand the laws yeah. and enforce them. But you need years and years and years of schooling <laughs> to understand the law so that you can argue it in court. Eight weeks to enforce it. There's a lot that needs to be done just in the academy itself like i'm sorry you shouldn't be able to be a high school dropout and join the academy and be physically fit for that eight weeks of your life and then you've got a job for life with a pension and retirement benefits and all that other stuff and you're just unleashed with a badge and a gun to enforce a law that you barely understand hello somebody presented that i think sean king presented that that uh that settlements in in cases like this should come out of their retirement and pension and and things to start changing. I personally feel that the old Black Panther Party, we need to revive that. You know what I mean? In the sense of, of, and I'm actively working to to join a Black-owned gun association, um, to get a a licensed firearm, um, but then also on a bigger sense of unifying with different chapters that not only provide services for our communities when we talk about healthcare and and all of that but then also protecting our community when it when we have situations like this because when this was happening with the black panthers part of the reason why california ain't no open carry anymore is because the black panthers were showing up when there was police activity not to not to incite nothing but to make sure like all right we gonna make sure y'all do your job and y'all start barking we start bucking we got the we got the same artillery you got you know what i'm saying and have it be that way. And again, I, I mean, we're not ready for that. And I know that it's a slow process, but to to, to a point that you made, um, I think with, with exposing certain officers, I watched a documentary, Making a Murderer, right? Um, which I didn't watch the second season. I haven't watched the second season yet um, and don't even know how I feel about it anymore. Uh, but it was crazy how they talked about a lot of the corruption that existed within that police force that was wrapped around that whole case, right? And how it started going up to even like the federal level and how the federal level wasn't even, you know, intervening in the case and all of that. 
And what it exposed, it was like a little short clip where they, you know, they mentioned that exposing, you know, that little corruption would literally take it all the way up to the top. And it would literally kind of open up Pandora's box to, to all the corruption on, on many different levels and how many different people are getting paid and just, you know, just all the corruption. And I feel as though that that's part of some of the protection that we're seeing with a lot of this, you know what I'm saying? And again, it goes back to my opening point. Like, yeah, it takes eight weeks because the police aren't aren't there to, to wrangle a specific group of people as far as when it comes to the system of policing. You know what I mean? Again, there's good officers that go in and they want to protect and serve their communities. But again, it's like the system that you're in doesn't provide the opportunity to fully do that. Because again, if you are a good officer, I've heard stories of, you know, partners that I have that's on the force. It's like, yo, if you're a good officer and you, you know, you start exposing certain things and you take that up to, you know, the higher ups, you get blackballed in a sense to where you won't have a partner or you get sent out on, on certain missions where you basically get set up and you call for some backup, ain't nobody showing up or they gonna drag their feet to get there. You know what I'm saying? And so it becomes like, you know, a lot of that, you know what I'm saying? And I think uh, those types of situations ultimately come to light and then it, it turns into something different, which is ultimately what I'm seeing is happening to where we're starting to get into this judge dread, you know, apocalyptic type of, you know, militarization of policing and anarchy. You know what I mean? That's what it's appearing to be. You know what I'm saying? I don't think we're fully there yet, but when you start seeing National Guards come in and they start busting, you know, paintballs at people for not being inside the house, being on their front porch and all of that, like, where are we at in life right now? Like, what are we doing? How do we get to this point? And then what is the next step to where you incite riots, you lose respect for police force, you don't have any trust or faith, you know what I'm saying? And you're not abiding by their authority, then you take it up an extra level to where, you know, you know, you bring it in the military, they're not abiding by no state laws. Like, they don't care about no state laws. They'll bust at you and don't like whatever. Like you gone now, that's it. You know what I'm saying? And they're not gonna reap no no repercussions and none of that. Because it's like we don't abide by the same laws and all of that. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's it's also important for us to understand like is there a trap or what is the other agenda that's that's existing amongst all of this as well so then you know we aren't being exposed to something that we're not ready for well, you know what i'm saying when it comes to but the police and a lot of people need to understand to your point police are not really here to protect and serve us right. they're here to keep us in order and protect and serve those at the top. Right. Like that's what it comes down to. They are there as enforcers and, and, and peacekeepers per se for people who are way above our pay grade. And that's what yeah. it comes down to. They protect and serve them. They just keep us in check. Right. You know, it's, what's interesting is I, you know, saw somebody post like, like, look, you know, some in some of these certain situations, um, these officers have no no problem as far as, um, you know, taking 
taking somebody's life because they view our lives as um, vacation trips and jet skis because they're getting paid overtime pay to be at a crime scene because they took somebody's life and they have to you know investigate in this that the third like and so there's there's apparently been cops that have blatantly you know said like this is how we view um certain people's lives and it's like okay you know one where's the where's the freaking humanity in that two like if they're being if they're being vocal like that you know why is it not um their fellow officers or their superiors or both like holding again holding these these snitches accountable or holding them to a higher higher level or reprimanding them if you're freaking whatever that jackass cop's name who has at least 12 i've heard upwards of 18 um complaints against him like because that's police culture and well i get it but yeah. you know again like it's me kind of verbalizing this stuff so like you know viewers and, and listeners like can can process it if they haven't taken the time to think about it but i i love the fact that um uh the university of minnesota has cut all their financial ties with um that with the police department because look you know we're no longer gonna hire you and give you guys money to run security when we have events and concerts and what have you because you clearly can't the problem you can't you clearly can't freaking conduct yourselves in the right way so we'll go somewhere else so that's hitting um you know that police department in the pocketbook shout out brother Riza, who's like look when so, when things like this happen you need to sue the police department and more importantly sue the insurance company that insures that police department because you're hitting them in the yeah. pocketbook and that's when they start yeah. they step back and be like hmm maybe we should go about a different course of action before we take somebody's life again unjustifiably here's here's where also because i've i mean you i appreciate certain actions right that have, that have taken place when it comes to like universities you know no longer hiring officers right here's the problem that i have with it um again all smoke <laughs> this ain't the first time that nothing like this has happened and and y'all still hired them and this is around the world and and you know my homeboy you know my brother who i mentioned earlier who who has three generations of, of you know family members in the force um he had posted something that nike put out right and then like you know as we were talking last night he was like you know yo like i had to bite that you know because i kind of you know i jumped out the window to kind of repost that and it's like really just good pr work you know what i mean with with companies and corporations like nike and, and reebok and a lot of these institutions that are billionaires that we've put money behind us meaning black culture that we've put money behind and have made like nike you ain't shit without us <laughs> at all yeah. adidas you ain't shit without us reebok you ain't shit without us like we made y'all that yeah i think we you know what i'm saying like y'all weren't the company except for like new balance you know what I'm saying? But I mean, but but the thing is, is like a lot of these inc these incidences, and I mean, sp specifically going back to, you know, the university. This ain't the first time nothing like this has happened. 
you know what I'm saying? So why why now? You know what I'm saying? Are you are you saving face? Are you trying to avoid, you know, civil unrest on your campus? You know what I'm saying? Like, what is it? What is it? What is there? Is there something more? And again, they could be very pure in their actions, right? It could be, it could be pure. Like, I'm not trying to, I, out of ignorance because I don't know. I, again, I'm trying to be very conscious of my language. I don't want to just project something out there without having full details and everything. But what I do want to do is present a different perspective and open up those that are watching and listening open up your minds to also think because I think there's a, there's a culture that's very toxic when it comes to uh, uh, pacifying us in these instances. You know what I mean? Like, what else is there? Let's not just stop because he got, you know, he got arrested. Let's make sure that we follow through. You know what I mean? Let's not just be pacified by, you know, the white woman losing her job. No. Let's, again, change the dynamics so when white people are calling the officers that there's more of a vetting process that goes through before these officers show up and somebody else ends up dead, right? Yeah, I'm I'm hoping that with, with the university situation, you know, when you say, or when you ask why now, I'm hoping it's because somebody there at, at the top realized like, hey, nine minutes and 40 plus seconds of strangulation, like that's disgusting. And that was the straw that broke this camel's back. I'm hoping that that's what it is. Like you said, you know, this ain't the first time that, you know, police have done something in in the city of Minneapolis, but, you know, it may have taken something this grotesque for them to be like, you know what? Now we're gonna pull funding because that's just, that's just too much. You know, um, in terms of the, the freaking Karen in the park, like, yeah, like Tiana said, like charges should be pressed against her because yeah. again you filed a false police police report that's yeah. right and two again word of the day accountability like we yeah. saw with armad aubrey that two white white men felt they could take justice or whatever you know vigilante justice into their own hands and end a man's life with a freaking shotgun at close range because why because they've they've been shown they repetitively the system, the system is like they're not going to be held accountable so they felt they can get away with it the karen in the park feels like i'm going to call because i've seen these situations before where other white people have called the cops and something bad was done to the person they called the cops on like yeah. you know you know thank the freaking most high above that that bird watcher wasn't beaten or worse yeah. because of her actions yeah. but still yeah. a precedence needs to be set charges filed against her so that other karens in the world see like oh maybe i shouldn't call the police and ask like i'm freaking losing my life because it could mean he loses his life and and then and, and i'll lose my job and i'll go to jail or or whatever it, it, i feel like they don't learn they they white women specifically and i'm gonna let y'all know my mama is a white woman my sister is a white woman my mom is a white woman i know exactly what the hell i'm talking about <laughs> they will weaponize their whiteness weaponize their womanhood to get what they want in that moment 
consequences be damned. And we've seen it over and over and over again with these women who will call the police because this little black girl is selling water on the streets because it's hot. Fuck your white suburban lemonade stand. Nobody's asking them for a permit, but this little girl, oh, where's your permit? I'm calling the police. Oh, these black people are barbecuing. I'm calling the police. These people, and it's been viral video after viral video for years and years and years. And then the consequences going viral of them losing their jobs, of them losing their livelihoods, all of these things, but they don't learn. And I think that again, ties back to what I was saying about the Harvard study on empathy. Can't yeah. happen to me, I'm above it all. I, yeah. I can't understand what they're going through because I simply lack empathy. And until it happens yeah. to me, it don't hit home. It doesn't hit home. Until it hits hits home. Exactly. And, that's, and then that's when you see the influx of white tears. So I'm so sorry. I didn't know what I was doing. My actions were just completely reprehensible. Boo-hoo. Apology. Know. It's like what what made me upset is it, is it made me think about Emmett Till, right? And this and this white lie. And again, we've only seen a fraction, a very small fraction of of, of these incidences being publicized. You know what I'm saying? Amar Arbery is probably multiplied by however many, X amount, you know what I mean? And the only reason why we don't know about it is because it wasn't anybody filming, right? So how many black bodies have disappeared in the deep south because, you know what I mean, of all incidences, which is crazy because, because, you know, all over the nation, you're right. But it's crazy because there were so many other white people that were walking in that same house under construction and didn't get that same treatment as far as we know, right? But Emmett Till, a white woman that lied on a black boy who then ended up losing his life and being beaten and, and you know, taken away from his family, <laughs> which if she turns around years later after living a very comfortable life, which she you know, comes out and says that she lied, it's like, come on, bro. Like, she should be in handcuffs. Did that lady die? She passed away? I think she's still alive. Did she? I don't I, know. I, I, she I may have passed away. I want to say she ago. may have passed away a couple years because I, I think that might be why, like, it came out that she she because she was on her deathbed. And it, but it but it goes back. Part of the reason why I brought that up specifically is because let's say something did happen to to you know the brother Cooper. You know what I mean? Bird watcher Cooper. You know why he's just out there trying to enjoy some pelicans and seagulls. You know what I'm saying? In Central Park. <laughs> in Central you know what I mean? Let's say something happened to him. You know what I mean? I don't know what kind of birds is in Central Park. I've never been there. Um, but let's say something did happen to him. You know what I mean? This white woman, again, in her mind, and and like you, to, to Tiana's point, in their mind, they think, oh, I can utilize this. This is my power to inflict whatever, to get my way, knowing that she was in the wrong. You should have had your dog on a fucking leash. If the signs is up on the wall, but you think that you all, it's all fine and dandy. You know what I'm saying? But you also in your mind, yeah, you can lose your job, but you can get another job or you can benefit off of hypothetically a trust fund or whatever. But in your mind, you're just like the woman that lied on Emmett Till and you're going to live a long, prosperous life in the comfort of your whiteness without any type of repercussions or anything. And it would have been a disservice if, you know, Brother Cooper would have lost his mind and, and beat the fuck out of her. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Like, if you know what I'm saying? Like, you can't, you you damned if you do, you damned if you don't. Because if he would have beat her up, you know what I'm saying? Understanding like, yo, they about to show up and whoop my ass. Yeah. Like, then it then it becomes a, see, I told you so. 
you know what I'm saying? So it's like- Directly, indirectly threatened his life right in front of his face on camera, again, thinking and, and acting with impunity. I can do it, I can get away with it, but then we'll probably sit there and deny her, her privilege all day long as if it does not exist. And it's, and it's things like this to where I take, I take joy and I'm happy to say that I take joy in seeing a lot of these whites getting their ass whooped and beat to a pulp out, out here in these streets in the middle of these protests. And it's, and it's crazy because immediately they'll project, oh, this white business owner was just trying to protect his business from being looted. You know, but then another video follows after that, like, no, he was carrying a sword and was swinging it. Did you see, did you see the, the Karen in the wheelchair? Oh, I was so happy to see her because she could walk too, first of all. Yeah. Oh yeah, she could walk. So, yeah. but for those who haven't seen it, like, or, or don't know about it, <clears throat> she was, there's a video of her, like in the middle of the street, crying her eyes out and she, you know, like got, all kinds of dirt like she clearly has been in in a physical altercation she has and she's saying black fire hydrant dust yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, black people you know socked her up or whatever um and they're like <laughs> and one of the dudes was like no she was sitting in her wheelchair outside of the exit at target and stabbing black people coming out so yeah again like you know you brought it on yourself by doing something that you you know, felt you had a privilege to do, and it's. And like, I think in the same interview, she mentioned that <laughs> that the authorities told her to go home. <laughs> like I think the EMT told her to go home. Like take your ass home. Like you shouldn't be there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like at this point, again, you either with us or against us, right? Fact remains, if I live on the coast, I got a, a beachfront property. And I and I know that there's a tidal wave. I'm in tidal wave range. I'm not gonna stand in front of my house to try to protect it from the tidal wave. <laughs> business owners, if you a business owner, don't try to stand out there in front of the tidal wave that's coming. And I get it. This if if they participate in criminal activity, it doesn't have anything to do. It's taking away. It's almost again. Uh, it, it's it's diminishing the purpose of why the protests exist in the first place. So again, that's again what I'm against. I don't, I mean, shit's gonna burn, it's gonna burn. You know what I mean? And again, I'm not necessarily condoning it, but again, we talked about it, right? If you're a business owner, don't try to protect your business in that way. Get out the way. Insurance. I'm saying like, like you see a mob of people, you outnumbered. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't try to protect your business by any means. Oh boy, getting out your car with the crossbows. Like, stay in your car. Get out the way. You know what I'm saying? Because it, trust me, it's not what you want. Like, it's not what it's never what you want. You know what I'm saying? Like, in all the years that riots and and civil unrest and all of this has has taken place, we've seen it time and time. There's video footage of a boy, a, a dude getting getting stomped out during the Rodney King beat. You know what I mean? During the Rodney King riot. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's never going to benefit you. You know what I'm saying? Stay in your car, stay in your house. Or if you're going to come out, make sure that you are on their side. Otherwise, it's not going to end good for you. You know what I'm saying? But and, and part of that is, part of the reason why I brought that up is because you being a business owner trying to protect your business, 
what that's saying is I'm against you. I'm against your protest. You know what I'm saying? Your white tears are being exposed. Your white fragility is being exposed. And those that are angry at the system, which your white tears are protected by, you're going to get attacked. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's basically those that are out there doing all of this. They're putting two and two together. And it may not necessarily add up, but it's like, look, you're benefiting from this system. Your property got to burn. Oh, you're going to try to protect it when you're going to get packed out. You're trying to come at us? Okay, well, you're going to get this skateboard to your face. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're going to get all these feet, and it's going to be several feet, and it's, they, all these feet going to hurt. And so I know that it's sad, you know what I mean? And I want to feel for a lot of these people that's getting beat up, but at the end of the day, where are you from? Where are you from? What side are you what on? What side are you on? I mean, maybe, <clears throat> maybe I should have said this earlier, but... Um, you know, in terms of like anybody black or brown, you know, listening, watching, like if you're out there, you know, with the protests, like more power to you and and great job. But as soon as you see uh, an instigator, if you will, from, you know, the white side who is lighting something on fire or smashing out a window, like that's when you need to immediately vacate and and let those guys do that and hopefully it's caught and exposed whether on you know social media or actual national tv media but Which film is, a little bit first film a little bit first <laughs> and then vacate because we need Which they have we need the evidence yeah. we are not part partaking in that and i'm glad that you know you have celebrities like quest love and you know, D.L. Hughley and, and Jamie Foxx and all of them who are like, are showing like, look, if you're gonna show pictures of people of color looting, let's also show the pictures show of this. pale ones that are looting and make sure it's yeah. an even playing field. I believe the term is non-melanated. Non-melanated? Yes. Um, the the sentence of pockets. And let's not fall for the okie doke, like, because I, I saw a video of a young brother who was like, look, you know, and he was in Minnesota and he was like, look, this stack of bricks was not here yesterday. And it was like a four foot high stack of bricks, like that all of a sudden just showed up overnight. Like they're planting ammunition for you guys to go out and use to freaking pillage and, and cause a ruckus. Like, don't fall for the okie doke. Yeah. I think yeah. we should go back to and West. That's, that's West. That way, I mean, because nobody wants to mess up their Jordans. <laughs> well, I mean, they don't care about Jordans now because they're just going to break into a footlocker and steal some more. So, I mean, yeah. You know. Look, um, yeah, man. when it's all said and done, like, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for having this platform. Um, I'm grateful for the fact that we've been doing what we've been doing for as long as we have and we've been able to, to provide an outlet for others and, and to kind of be able to uh, be a source of motivation and enlightenment and I guess uh, the main thing that again that I've been that I've been trying to push and preach is organization and having alternatives you know um, and going back to removing toxic language I, I want to try to keep people in check black people in check that are saying that there aren't certain things and resources that exist because there are there have been a lot of 
grassroots movements and a lot of people that have been on the forefront and have been pushing the line and pushing the issue and they have businesses and they they offer resources for us we just have to find it you know what i mean especially when it comes to buying black buying black groceries black owned stores black owned you know uh essentials um you know black owned you know gun associations you know um just black everything you know uh and again i want to check people that are saying oh we we as black people don't have x y and z and it's like no there's there's people all around the world you know what i mean and there's factions and 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 groups and organizations that have information and resources and do provide all of these things as well as individuals that are in the belly of the beast you know what i mean that are a part of the american system that are working on our side you know so i i want to encourage individuals everybody listening including ourselves i've been actively working on it with um eliminating generalizations and again like i mentioned being very specific on who i'm talking to and talking about and making sure that what i'm saying is contextualized and isn't misunderstood it doesn't leave any room for misinterpretation right and i want to again i want to encourage everyone to do your research find you know the black owned companies that that best benefit you and, and serve you and do your research and and you know and get away from generalizing certain aspects of what we're dealing with right now by saying you know black lives matter is this or it's like no there are certain individuals that participate this way you know saying that all blacks are doing this this way blacks don't get away from generalizing yeah you we're know, not and, and very specific you know uh, or even and even on the flip side of that to be fair saying all police officers or, or or you know you know say certain individuals you know what i mean and i get it that all officers kind of fall under that umbrella because they have that blue line you know um and and it seems from face value out of our ignorance that when these situations happen that there's all officers are protecting them and it's like i get it but at the same token we don't know the individuals that are on the police force and what they're dealing with and what they're fighting against to combat the corruption that's happening within their force, yeah. you know? Um, because I'm pretty sure that there's layers, just like we mentioned that it's gonna take time and legislation and it takes, you know, levels to kind of get the change that we need um, and that we expect to be able to hold these individuals accountable. Um, but again, I think it's a disservice when we kind of group all of them together and you know throw them under the bus and the reason why that becomes toxic is because those individuals that don't have the mindset that we do what they'll do is is they'll take that as ammunition and then it's you know f all police when it's like no there's there's some that are on your side there's some that are trying to work with you and work for you and they want you know there to be a a, a relationship you know what i mean and again the anger is towards the system of policing yeah you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and again, if we eliminate, you know, again, what I've been preaching is, is is alternatives. If we say, yo, let's get rid of this whole system, then what? You know what I mean? What have we been plugging into? We're asking somebody to not shop at a particular store, then what? Where are they gonna go? You know what I mean? Um, and we need to be able to, to provide that information and those resources to them to say, hey, 
don't eat at or don't support this corporation. You can support this black owned or this, even if it isn't black owned, it's somebody that is grassroots that supports black issues and they don't, you know, that they're in line with yeah. our movement. You know what I mean? Like they're allies, you know, we need to be able to provide that information and provide those resources. Um, as well as again, the policing system, if we eliminate the system of policing, then what? You know what I mean? Are we policing ourselves? Because again, something happens, somebody get ready to break into your house, the first person you call is who? You know what I mean? Personally, I'm working on being able to be Jamaican in my house, you know what I'm saying? I personally will call the homies, you know what I'm saying? But then again, there's also a system in place that if the homies show up and we get into some activity, I don't, I don't want to speak on it, but we need a system. I don't want to, I don't want to, yeah. And, yeah. and uh, piggybacking, off, piggybacking off of your point as far as like, you know, um, supporting allies, like if we're supporting allies um you know in businesses because you know as a black community we don't have a black owned resource supporting those allies will then work in our favor when they go to support us even more because those allies are gonna be like look they're spending dollars in my business so yes i'm gonna continue to help advocate for for them in you know whatever their needs are yeah. and, and and be educated with when doing that too and, and hold the allies accountable as well because it's easy i think a lot of times we going back into that pacification we settle for people that just kind of do things for the gram you know what i mean like they just putting it up to 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 show that thing on our side but they're not really putting in the footwork like they still benefit uh you know benefiting from the privilege on the other side or they're still invested into oppression right but holding them accountable. Even if they're black owned, hold them accountable to say, hey, I'm spending money with you. When issues come up, these are our expectations. Or when there's something that comes up and we need your help, these are our expectations. When we wanna protest or we wanna do this, we expect you to be a, a city of refuge. You know what I mean? Which is probably one of the biggest issues that I have with you know black churches. Um, We'll get into that another, that's a whole nother segment. That's a whole nother uh, segment. You know what I'm saying? So um, do your research, be safe, take care of yourself, understand what you're saying, understand what the movement is, and understand your part. Your part may not necessarily be being on the front line. Everybody ain't gunners. You know what I'm saying? Everybody isn't you know, an educator, everybody isn't, but understand what your your role is and then push that line. You know what I'm saying? Whether it is educating people on financial literacy, whether it is providing resources, providing, you know, avenues towards, you know, um, whatever the case may be, whether it is being in law enforcement, whatever that may be, understand what your role is and then communicate with others and provide those resources with others because i think we all need to understand that everybody doesn't have our mindset there's other people that are sheep that are looking and they're on the fence and they're easily influenced and the first piece of information that they receive they're going to jump out the window with it and that can be very dangerous and it can also be counterintuitive to the overall goal and agenda that we as black people trying to get our human rights recognized and trying to be incorporated into constitutional rights that don't necessarily apply to us 
it can destroy our entire agenda in pushing for those things because then you will ultimately encourage somebody that doesn't know any better to go do something that is reckless do something that is destructive and then it will hurt everybody because then it puts us into a trap it puts us into an agenda by the powers that be to say oh look now we can push the national guard over there put a curfew on them and let's lock them down for even more and make this more of like a prison you know what i mean and then we're back at square zero and then you and then those that were you know on our side that you know we're trying to help and and you know didn't know any better now they lose faith now they lose hope now they lose trust and then we're we're trying to build that back up again so again just be conscious of what you're doing be conscious of what you're saying and be well take care of yourself you know what i mean it, these are these are very critical times that we're in and i'm hoping that two years 200 years from now you know when we're in the history books and you know, needless to say, this actual video on our podcast may exist in the, in the atmosphere somewhere or maybe in outer space, wherever the energy that we're projecting is. I'm hoping that they're able to be in. I'm hoping that this isn't an issue. You know? And again, that starts with us now being able to make educated decisions. So 2020 is going to be a hefty chapter. We barely halfway through. We'd be halfway through. I mean, we're halfway through now. Yeah. Halfway through now. In terms of like, you know, people trying to figure out where, <clears throat> what their part is in all of this, like maybe it's just as something as simple as, um, you know, reaching out to someone you went to school with, someone you work with, or a family member and say, like, hey, how are you doing? How are you holding up? Like, yeah. I had a couple athletes, like, you know, former athletes or whatever reach out to me just like hey like i understand you're probably going through some things because you're a black man like just checking on you like and you know i'm so appreciative of that just because that shows me like you know what kind they of understand. well it shows me that they understand but also shows me what kind of impact like i've had on their life just through coaching them in track and field um yeah. you know right before we jumped on here like um a girl I went to high school with, <clears throat> you know, young white lady, like she sent me a message like, hey, like I've been kind of struggling the last few days trying to process this, but like, I want you to know, like you are loved and, and I'm starting to understand. Like, and it's, you know, it's, you call it baby steps or whatever, but- Incremental change is better than- Yeah. yeah. And, and so it's like, you know, maybe it's just, you know, maybe it's just people that like aren't willing to go protest or or you know take more action. Just be a listening ear to a young mind who's struggling on how to release this this bent up anger and frustration. Like because you being a listening ear, maybe that's all they need to get that off their chest, and they're not then out there on the street smashing a window or setting a car on fire or whatever you know what i mean like you can have just a significant impact on the movement um but i will say you know the the privileged white people out there like the best thing you can do is help with 
the voting and the legislative process in making human rights equal. And I'm stressing human rights versus civil rights because again, for me, my standpoint or my opinion, since you know, a lot of this started becoming public in 2014, as far as police brutality, human rights, like let's look at it from a human rights perspective and just leave it at that. And, and with that, if you, again, if you, if you are a white individual, if you know a white individual that is uncertain or, or doesn't understand their privilege and, and how to use it, um, I encourage you to, to help them, you know, spread the word because at the end of the day, you know what I mean? This wave beneath these individuals that aren't like us may end up at your front door and it could be too late. You know, and so, and and again, I'm not condoning that. I'm not trying to encourage that, but I think it's very important that we we play a part in trying to educate individuals that are out there that are aware or unaware of the possibilities of of growth and change, you know, or privilege and being able to help others. You know, um, <laughs> was you know talking and found it very ironic how everybody not everybody let me be careful how there were certain individuals that spoke against uh, barack obama and talked about you know socialism or even bernie sanders and all these socialists and blah 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 and then we get into this COVID thing and those same principles of socialism or communism and bartering and looking out for others almost kind of went into full effect you know what i mean where you started to you started to to see those things coming to fruition all of a sudden now it was okay Right. Whereas before you were totally against it. It's like little things like that. Try to be aware of. Just be aware, you know what I mean? And and find ways where you can help people because there it is very possible. You know, it is very possible. Listen, listen to the other side and try to get an understanding. And that goes for both black people and white people with privilege. Listen to each side. You know what I mean? Like, granted, yes, it's okay to have emotions, but I think it's very key to listen and understand the other side. So then, therefore, you can become most effective. You know, it's a it's a game of chess. Understand the other side in a sense of getting getting a better understanding of why they feel the way that they feel, why they're acting the way that they act, especially when it comes to having privilege. You know what I mean? Understand why those white people have a privilege, so then you can then better articulate your point and help them to break up that that conditioning and that lack of understanding of why you know they don't understand their privilege or how they can better utilize their privilege within their communities because just going in with the rah-rah type of energy again people will turn that off you know what i mean and they'll dismiss it they'll go they'll turn and then that basically leads into the lack of empathy you know and then you won't see the results that you that you require you know so yeah i think one last <clears throat> one last quick point i want people to understand is you know i forget it's either like elementary school or or junior high school middle school like you know we're taught about fight or flight yeah and you know in situations of police brutality like you know they will instigate something by being slightly aggressive and the natural response for a human 
is they'll go into fight or flight mode. So like the whole resisting arrest, well, like you pinned a man's arm behind his back and slammed him against the wall. Like his natural reaction, human yes. or animal instinct is to fight, resist and respond and defend themselves. Right, especially if if they didn't do anything, and we've yeah. seen time and again that they, you know, if they feel wrong. Then that level of of defense like goes up exponentially. But when yeah. we're looking at you know the uprising and and the looting and all that kind of stuff across the country, it's the the masses saying you've pushed me to the edge where my fight response mode has now been activated. Yep. And just understand, like for, for the people who are looking at, you know, the news and, and saying, why are they doing this? Because you've pushed people to a breaking point and they're they're now fighting back. Yeah, people are at a fever pitch right now. And that's that's the plain and simplest way I can I can explain it for those who have a hard time grasping like why they're seeing looting and and rioting on TV. Why are they seeing you know, people like throwing stuff at police officers. Like, I've seen a nigga steal a police horse. Yeah, <laughs> bro. But I mean, you know, it's like, look, my freaking nine-year-old daughter sat and watched a man be strangled. And you know, how many other kids of color have watched? their family member like because police showed up to a party or to their house or whatever like be shot or like that's traumatic so it leaves an impression and so when they become adolescent teenagers who are like got freaking going through puberty and they've got all this adrenaline like and they feel like all those raging emotions from their childhood come back you see windows get smashed out it's not complicated to it's understand not. It's not. If you have any basic understanding of human behavior, if you are a human, <laughs> you should be able to register to some degree why people are doing what they are doing instead of making the excuse that, oh, black people are criminals and that's why they act this way. And if you don't understand it, watch Animal Planet because they'll show you what animals do. We are all animals. All animals. And some, we're just more intelligent. Well, some of us are. <laughs> yes, all the shade, all the smoke. Well, apparently we lost Foz, but I think we were getting ready to sign off anyway. So, yeah. um, like we always say, do your research. Hopefully this conversation and dialogue um, helps spark some, some thought and ideas um that you can take away and and hopefully put forth to some good use moving forward yep and uh hug a black person today yeah if you can't hug them call them or text them at least you know hit them on social media oh, yeah, social distancing. virtually hug them because <laughs> coronavirus is still a thing amidst all of this <laughs> oh yeah that's right we're still in a we're pandemic a I've... pandemic amongst a pandemic yeah that part <sighs> all right this is the kickback show the kickbackshow.com the kickback show on all your social media wavecap johnny on instagram shout out to organic blackberry tiana giovanna across the board 
and Swivel on Instagram, DJ Swivel on Twitter. We'll see you guys next time. All right, y'all? Peace. The Kickback Show. Yeah. Tracklife.com.